All right, so we are in week two of the series called The New You, and we're answering the very fundamental question, who are you really? Who are you, all right? Uh, your passport says something about you, uh, the country that you have allegiance to, whether it's American or another passport. Passport represents an identity. It's part of who you are. And your stage of life, whether that's a baby or a toddler that defines your stage of life or an adult or employed or student or retired that, that identifies a bit of who you are. But th- is that who you are really? Uh, your passions, your, what your pastimes, what you do when, when you have some free time. Are you an athlete? Are you a bookworm? Are you a, an explorer? Whatever you are, those are... Those are statements that define part of who you are, but we're looking to see who we really are because of Jesus. And we were reminded last week that the identifying mark for every real follower of Jesus is new creation. We saw it from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. You and I are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, and what God's going to do in the future, he's doing right now in you. You are not just a part of who you were in the past. You've been made brand new, and that doesn't mean everything changes, but it means the most fundamental, important things do, do change. You're a new creation. So if you missed last week, watch the podcast or listen to the podcast, but I'll recap it. New creation means that we are a new people, and we belong to a new family, and we now have a newfound purpose for our lives. All of those things are true. You're a new person, you belong to a new family, and we have a new purpose. All right, you're a new person. What does that mean? We're going to look over the next few weeks of what this actually means in the real world. Last week was more theology and foundation. This week's more about how we live it out. There are lots of voices trying to define who you are. Our culture, advertising, marketing is about trying to push who you are or who you're supposed to be. And what we want to do is look to the Bible and say, well, why look at the Bible? It's an ancient book. It was written before me. What can it say about me? Let me just suggest this to you. And I said it last week. God ought to be the most defining voice in your life. Here's why. In the beginning, God created everything else. So the creator, the sustainer, the upholder of all things ought to be the loudest voice in your head when it comes to who you really are. Because the one who made you knows you fully and has the best ability to tell you and remind you who you are in the beginning God creates. So he ought to. Now the the challenge is, you and I, even as Jesus followers, we have all of these voices swimming around us. We don't even know it. You have your parents telling you who you are. You have your friends telling you who you are. You have your employer or your employees trying to tell you who you are. So this competing voice is all of the time trying to tell you, hey, Jose, this is who you are. And what I ought to do as a Jesus follower is hear those voices, but then compare them to God's voice and say to myself, God's voice is more true about me than any other voice. And sometimes the other voices will confirm what God has said. Sometimes those other voices will contrast and totally deny who God says you are. And you as a Jesus follower have to make a decision to listen to someone's voice. And I'm here to tell you the Bible gives us the greatest 
voice we need to hear. Now, what does the Bible say about you? I want you to write this down. We are holy now. You are holy right now. What do you say? I say, that sounds exciting, and I know you're a preacher and all that, but that raises all sorts of red flags. Look, if I just showed you the Netflix of my life over the last week, you would not say to me, you are holy. As a matter of fact, my bio right now says, very unholy, medium unholy, or in denial unholy. Nothing about me and my week has proven that I'm holy. And I'm here to declare, to tell you the most true thing about you is you are holy, dot, 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 now. Not next week, not 10 years from now, not when you get your act together, not when you go to heaven. You are holy now. Now, I say, why? How can you say that with any bit of sincerity and integrity? I read the Bible. And so I want you to listen. I'm going to eavesdrop on some letters that Paul, remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the biographies of Jesus. The Acts say what the Jesus followers early on did. And then you have these letters written by one of the leaders, multiple leaders, mostly Paul. And he writes to these new communities to remind them of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What? Jesus did, who Jesus is, and how to now live it out in a very ugly world. And so letters start with an address, like, hey, Jose, and then you write a letter, or you type a letter, or you just text a letter today. Look at these letter, letters opening up. Romans 1, verse 7. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. 1 Corinthians 1 Verse 2, these are just the opening lines. To the church of God in Corinth, so it's God's church, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Look at Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. By the way, read these letters. Almost all of Paul's letters start with to the church... The holy people. Almost all of them start that way. And if you read the letters, you realize, who's he talking to? They're arguing one another. They're denying the leadership of Paul and saying, we're not even sure if this guy is legit. They are getting drunk in church. Not even after. If you're going to get drunk, wait till after church. They're getting drunk in church on communion. And oh, by the way, some people are sleeping with their mom or their stepmother. And there's all sorts of madness going on in these churches. These people did not have their act together. And you know what Paul says at the beginning of almost every letter? To the holy people in Corinth who are about as corrupt as possible. But he knows what's true about them. And so you are holy right now. Now, what does holiness mean? Because when I think of holy... And I think of me, those don't go together. So maybe, Jose, you have a different de definition. When you look at the Bible, the most defining word about holiness is God. In other words, God is holy. God is the holy one. Holiness, as we understand it in English or in the original languages, refers back primarily in the Bible to God. It's used of God's character. So when we think about what it means to be holy, we need to start with God. He's described, now, so what does God describe about himself? Exodus 15, verse 11. Who is like you, majestic in holiness, 
awesome in glory, working wonders. When the writers of Scripture use the word holy, they're often primarily referring back to God. What you do, no one else can do. How you see life, no one else sees life that way. And, and when it comes to glory and what it means to be beautiful and perfect, God, you're like in your own category. You could use that phrase. Holiness means an other character altogether. And the end of the Bible, Revelation, we get a, a picture into the window of what's happening right now. There are beings that God created. Angels, seraphim, cherubim, all these beings that are not human. What are they doing? It says day and night they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy. All together different, all together different, all together different. Own category, own category, own category. Awesome. Uh, whatever word you could use just times it by whatever. This is God. Are you the Lord God Almighty who, and why, here's why you're holy, who was? There's no one who was like God. Who is? There's no one who is like God. Who is to come? There's no one like God ever. So God's holiness in the Bible and after the Bible uses all sorts of words. You could say holy means power, glory, transcendence. He's above everything, unique, exclusive, pure, and I, this is my favorite. Holiness is dangerous. God is dangerous. That's what it means to be holy. So to to say that God is holy means that there's no one like him. Now, most of us get a, a sense of that, but in order to capture the phrase, you are holy now, I am holy now, we need to start with God. And remember that God, there's no one like him. He is always in the right. He's unique. Um, there's something called the Bible Project, which has these videos that are really good about everything, every book of the Bible, and you, you should watch Go to the, the BibleProject.com and then type in the word holiness and you'll see a video on it. But there's an illustration I'll just borrow from Tim Mackey, who's a friend. Uh, holiness, you could say, is like the sun. The sun is holy. In our solar system, the sun is unique. It's different. It's not like, it's not like the moon. It's not like the earth. The sun. And, and so it's altogether different. That it, it's, it's, a, it's in its own car, uh, category. And so all these planets are just revolving around this, this sun, right? So it's, it's holy. It's separate. Uh, now, that's a beautiful thing because how many of you got a bit of a tan or a burn this summer? Come on, I look at you. You got burned, all right? And so, so we got a tan or burn. It's because the power of the sun affected our lives. And so you ever been out, you know, after these cloudy days and just go out there and, like, you feel the warmth. Dogs get it. They just lay there, just like, I just want to be in the sun. And there's something beautiful. It, it, it brings life to plants. The sun has all of this stuff, this, this nest, this beautiful thing, and we don't have it. The sun has it. And so that's the positive side of the sun. The dangerous side of the sun is a burn. Its power, when you don't recognize its power, when you're not prepared for its power, it will burn you. And as a matter of fact, to go into space, you need to create crafts and you need to create suits to protect you from being killed by the sun. Does that make the sun bad? No, it makes the sun holy. You see it. It's beautiful and it's dangerous. And that, all, anal all analogies break down. But that's probably the best I could do to say, 
Holiness is about our proximity, our distance to the Son. So the Son is awesome and unique, and our holiness has to do with how close can we get to the one whom's, who's like no other, that is God. Now, what does it mean when we are called holy? When you think of God, the sun analogy breaks down because like, man, you mean God's trying to take me out? Because for us, the, the physical sun is like, we gotta stay at bay. We can't get close to the sun. But that's not the scriptural revelation of God. God, who's unique and holy, is seen in Genesis 1 and 2, walking with Adam and Eve. So he's altogether different, but he's accessible. God is with us. Isaiah 57, uh, 15. For this is what the high and exalted one, capital O God, says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy, quote, I live in a high and holy place. I'm by myself. No one can be like me. But also with the one who's contrite and lowly in spirit. Why? To revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. God's plan has always been to keep us close. But we know it is our ungodlikeness, it is our sin, it is our rebellion, it is our error that keeps us from living close to the one who's altogether different and holy. So, fundamental to the Bible is you can't approach God any which way you want. In the beginning, when God creates heaven and earth, and he's with Adam and Eve, and he's in the garden, they had no flaw, no sin. So God's presence is with them fully. After they sin, they're removed from the garden because it's a physical sign that you can't just be with God and full of this unholiness. He's like no other. And so you have to now live in a way that's appropriate for you and God. I'm going real slow, but I don't want you to miss this. This is totally foundational and important. Most of the instruction of the Bible that's confusing to us, you read the beginning part of the Bible, what we call the Old Testament, and you read all of these laws and all these rituals and all this, it was never about why you can't be with God. It was God's provision to bring you close. God wants you close, so he's actually provided a way. If you come to God in the right way, get rid of your unholiness, then God is looking to be with you. It's why there's a temple. It's why there's a tabernacle. It's where there's God's presence. There are these feasts, these parties where God says, I want the whole nation to come and party with me. And here's the way that you're going to do it. I'm going to remove your sin, and I'm going to bring you close, but... There are times in your life where you get dirty again, unclean, unholy, and guess what? In those times, don't think that you and God can be close. It's not that God doesn't want you close. It's that by his nature, he is pure, and you and I are not. Are you with me so far? Okay, so what do we do? We hear from the Bible, Leviticus 19.2, the Lord tells Moses, the leader, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel. Speak to everybody, not just the leaders, everybody. And say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, I am holy, which seems like a setup for failure, doesn't it? Great. Oh, yeah. Just be holy because I am and you're going to be all right. 
And most of us would say, well, that's why I'd never feel God's presence. That's why I don't think I'll ever be close to God. That's why, maybe for you, maybe for others, but I'm disqualified. Now, I want us to think about what this means in light of Jesus. Hear this. Holiness is about behavior. It's about choices. It's about decisions that we make. But that's not the primary thrust. When I go think of holy, I think like it's about me doing the right thing. And if I end up doing the right thing long enough, God will bring me in. No. Holiness primarily is about enjoying God's presence. That may be a new concept for you. Maybe you were brought up in a faith or a church or whatever that told you until you, and everyone pointed the finger when they did it. Until you stop this and until you do this, I'm telling you God's watching. And he's going to squash you. And it may be today, it may be tomorrow, it may be right now. But God's going to take you out. And so you better be holy because God's holy. And it misses the whole arc of the Bible. It misses the entire trajectory. Because it's not just about behavior. Holiness is about enjoying God. And when you see it as the ability to enjoy God's presence and getting yourself in a position where I can maximize the enjoyment of God's presence, holiness becomes something I want, not becomes something I dread or I'm ashamed of. And I think too many followers of Jesus live in a constant state of fear, forgetting you are holy, dot, 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 now. You're holy right now. Well, you say, well, how, how in the world can that be? I'm going to help illustrate it. I'm a visual learner, and so for today, once a year, you get a visual. I have two, I have two plates here. I have, and, and just forget, this is what we had at home. I have paper plates or disposable plates. Not a fantastic pattern, but this is what we got at our house right now. And then, <laughs> I thought we had china. We got china, like fine china when we got married. And it just stayed in the garage forever, and my wife finally got rid of it because we were never using it. And, but I borrowed someone's fine china from their wedding day that they confessed they've never used. <laughs> but I have two different kinds of plates. And so holiness, right, is about what's appropriate. We were made for God's presence, and we get the fact that, that one has more value than the other. Would you agree? I mean, this is just paper, and I actually have two of them because, you know, they leak. And, and I've... And this is, this, is, this is fine. And so I'm not going to see them the same. And I'm not going to treat them the same. Even though we live in a disposable world, theoretically, I would put the right kind of food on this, right? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not if I'm doing an oil change in my car, which I'm never going to do, I'm not going to put the fine china under there to catch the extra oil, right? I'm not going to do that. That's not appropriate for this plate. The plate has a purpose. And this plate has a different kind of purpose. And so when you think of your life, I want you to remember that because of Jesus, and maybe the visual will help you, this is how we felt about our lives, and this is how we acted as if we were disposable and it doesn't matter. Because we had no hope. But in the gospel, in the good news, is this message that God in Jesus makes a way. Because this, this, you know, if you're going to have someone of significant value in your home, let's just say whatever elected or appointed or cool figure, whether it's an actor or actress, whether it's a politician, business leader, think of a, who would be the best person that you could have in your house and be like, man, this would be like bucket list. 
If, the, if that person wanted to come to your house, would you serve them your meal on this? Probably not. Why? Because their presence means something of higher value. Now, maybe you're a totally chill person. All analogies break down. But just say theoretically, out of respect, some of the great value, you'd probably feed them food on this because this is appropriate to their presence. And I want you to see this. Before Jesus, this is how we felt. This is how God saw us. But this is how we felt because we didn't have the hope of the good news that Jesus saves us from our sins. And when we turn to him in faith and trust him and his mercy and grace come in and say, yeah, you don't deserve it, but because you trust me, I'm going to clean you up. New creation means this is where I was. This is who I am. Now, that does not mean I feel this way. That doesn't mean I even live this way. But I want us to fundamentally get this. You are holy, dot, 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 what? Now. The moment I trust in Christ, I am made holy. I didn't earn holy. I got holy. Why? I became a new creation. I'm actually a new person. Same physical blood, same physical DNA. But in God's sight, when it comes to God's presence, I'm qualified to be with him. Now, at this point, I should just stop. We should go home and reflect on that. But we want to tease out what that means. Now, now that I am this, what does that mean for day-to-day Life, you're fine china. So the early Jesus followers saw this truth. Everything God was saying about what it means to be holy and his people to be holy, now because of Jesus, is fundamentally completed. Every bit of ritual and regulation to become holy before Jesus required a long process. And now in Jesus, because he comes by his person, the Holy Spirit, to now live in me. I am holy. I could be in his presence. First uh, Peter, let's just see it, 13. Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, says, Therefore, in light of the gospel, in, with minds that are alert, fully sober, set your hope on the grace, that's God's favor that we don't deserve, to be brought to you when Jesus is revealed as coming. There's more, you think you got everything that God has for you? No, there's more coming. When Jesus returns, what you have now will be amplified. You will realize the fullness of, of you being holy. You're, you haven't even caught it yet. But, verse 14, as obedient children, that is until he returns, as obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, when you were a paper plate. Now, you are never a paper plate, but you saw yourself as disposable because God wasn't filling your life through Jesus. So when you lived in ignorance, look, who cares if I sin? It's a paper plate. I'll throw it out. Who cares if I have that relationship that's inappropriate? Who cares? I'll throw them away. And I'll just get a, I'll just get a new plate, get a new job, get a new girl, get a new whatever. Everything's disposable. Forgetting you were always made to be fine china full of the presence of God, but you weren't living that way and you didn't have that ability. But he says, now as obedient children, don't conform, verse 15, but he quotes Leviticus 19.2, just as he who called you. Why? Why be obedient? Why 
live to follow Jesus. Why take the Bible seriously? Why try? Because he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. God is altogether different and unique. And now he's created you and recreated you in Christ Jesus to be altogether different and unique. It doesn't mean you become God. You never become God. But it means God's presence is yours for the taking. In light of Jesus, we live as, and notice that phrase, as obedient children. As a new creation, you're a new person who belongs to a new family. And because you have a new family, you are surrounded by people who are holy. And I know some of you are still saying, like, okay, that's all that's great, but I'm not one of them. I love Jesus, but I'm not, I'm not holy. He says you can now be holy because God has made you holy. So holiness in the Bible is primarily about God, and holiness is less about doing more and trying harder. Now hear me, I'm not saying that holiness isn't about right behavior, it is about right behavior, but the thrust and the emphasis is not just about your behavior, it's about living into who you really are. You really are fine china created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared in advance that you and I would walk in them. You are dearly loved and you are dearly clothed and the blood of Jesus purifies you from all unrighteousness. All these things are true. Therefore, in light of God's mercy and his goodness, let's be transformed by the metamorphosis of our mind so that now we'll live in a way that pleases God and not just ourselves. All of the writers of the New Testament, they got by the Holy Spirit the truth. We are holy now. Guess what? We are ought to live in a way that's fitting with who we are. And so this is the mindset that we have to gain as Jesus followers. You say, Jose, well, that just that sounds good, but that's impossible because you don't know me. And, well, okay, if that's true and I'm holy, how come I keep sinning? How come, oh, all right, I, we sin. How come I keep wanting to sin? Like, if I'm holy... Created in Christ Jesus, why do I want what's bad? How come I keep living unholy? Look at 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. That's the key. What we get to do as Jesus followers is now have our mind enlightened, primarily our mind enlightened, and we get to think clearly about who we are. If I don't think clearly about who I am and who Jesus is and where I fit in him, there's no way I'm going to live holy. So this is true. We are holy now, all right, but that's sort of incomplete. Write this down. We are holy and are being made holy. That's more complete to the picture of the Bible about you. You are holy now, but you're also being made holy. We're a new people, recreated in Christ Jesus. Our DNA is different. We can, we can harbor his presence. We can enjoy his presence. We can know his presence. We can have his guidance. This is not weird. This is not unnatural. As a matter of fact, whenever you get a nudging from God, that's the most natural thing that can happen. Wherever you sense his leading, wherever he confirms what he's doing, that's not like occasional. That's, that ought to be the normal experience because it's what he made us for. 
Now, when I know that, I am open to that, and I become more careful about what I set my mind on. If I set my mind on everything that's unholy, my behavior will follow. So in order to transform your life, we have to invite the Holy Spirit to renew, reset, reorient our minds. That's why what we think about is the most important thing. You can try to change behavior all day long until you change your mindset about who you're created to be, who God is. God is holy, he's made me holy, and he is making me holy. And that's the tension. I still, we, we Peter says, set your hope on what's going to happen, future grace, when Jesus appears. So I'm made holy, I can enjoy God's presence now, but I live in a world that's unholy, and there's a part of me that wants to go back to the old me, and that's the tension. In our fight and our struggle against sin, what's happening is the very real you who wants to go back to that old life is still alive. But now you have the Holy Spirit who's alive in you saying that is killing God's presence from being shown in your life. It's killing joy. It's killing love. It's killing peace. It's killing patience. It's killing forbearance. It's killing all the beautiful things God wants to do in your world. And that is the fight that we all have. And guess what? It happens until we're with Jesus. We never end that struggle. And that's where these letters speak to. By the way, all Paul's letters do the same thing. He speaks to the mind first and then says, in light of your mindset shift, now do, do different. And so in the same way, before we actually look at Ephesians, which we're gonna do all fall into the winter, probably finishing in January or so, we're gonna learn how to renew our minds on the truth of God so that we can live different. This is why the order is important, and this is so base, but hear me. I want, I want you to be free to love Jesus. God makes you holy first. Now I can think like God who's holy, and I can live like God. And what we do is we tend to think in reverse. Man, if I could just get this right, God will make me holy. If I could just get this right, God will accept me. If I could just get this right, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll become who God wants me to be. And when you have the order off, your heart gets broken. And you feel discouraged, and you want to give up, and you walk away. You are holy, but God's making you holy. Now, the, the technical word here in the Bible is called sanctify or sanctification. Sanctify in English and holy are actually rooted in the Bible in the same word. So we use two different English words. It's unfortunate. Sanctify simply means to be holy. Here's a definition. To sanctify is the process by which someone is brought into relationship with or attains the likeness of the holy. In other words, holy, let's just look at 1 Corinthians 1, 2 again. We'll go back to it. To the church of God in Corinth, to those made holy, which is the word sanctified. In other translations, it just says made holy. So what God has done and is doing is he has sanctified you, he's made you holy, and is making you holy 
to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Now, this is where I'm gonna do language for a little bit, and if it's confusing, watch the or po- podcast, and by the third time, it'll make sense. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, there in Greek, it comes as a word that was done to you in the past with ongoing implications. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reverse this. To those who God in the past made holy and because he made them holy is continuing to make them holy. That's true of you. You have been sanctified. God made you. It's just a process. It's as if this was chipped and beaten up and dirty and I fixed it and I cleaned it and ah, it's holy. It's separate. It's, it's ready again to, to be useful. God has done that for you and is continually doing that for you. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Say, well, yeah, maybe one day I'll be called to be his holy people. Pause. Called to be his holy people here is in the past. So God already, if you chose to follow Jesus by faith, said, I am yours and you are mine. He made you holy and is making you holy. And he already in the past, the moment you believe, called you my holy people. Jose is my holy son. Now, my behavior gets to catch up to who I am. And that is the hope of the Christian life. Over time, my behavior is catching up to who I, I already am. And all of that, all of that was to, to finish the analogy because this is why sin doesn't make sense. Sin It's not about good and bad. It's more based than that. It doesn't make sense. Here's why. We got a dog. Her name is Daisy. We call her BDE, the best dog ever. You know the drill. Now, Daisy goes to the bathroom every day. So what I did was I got Daisy's little poo bag because in our neighborhood, I'm not going to let Daisy's poo stay in your yard. I'm a nicer guy than that, so I'm going to pick it up. But this isn't really appropriate at mealtime. It's, it's not appropriate in church. Email you all, all, all you want. Email me. Like, but but this, is, this is what I would call sin. It's a waste. It doesn't make sense. And now, would it be appropriate for me to serve Daisy's poo on this plate? Now, somebody's saying, Jose, why are we going back to the first grade? Because everything you needed to learn in life, you learned in the first grade. Sin Does this make sense? No, and don't worry, I let it sit in the sun for two days to bake off all the impurities. (laughs) I did, I did, and I'm keeping it in the bag because I'm a germaphobe. But sin makes no sense on this plate. Why? This is set apart for something beautiful and right, and it's a waste of this plate to put this object on it. Now, for this, this, this makes sense. It's a paper plate, and I could take this, and I could trash this, and I don't think about it. And some of us, this is how we live our life. We think it doesn't make a difference. We waste God's beautiful life by thinking, first and foremost, forget the poo for a second, thinking we're a paper plate, and it doesn't matter. And you know what? 
that's what everyone said I was, so maybe that's who I am. And I'm here to tell you, new creation. Oops, new creation. You are not or never will be a paper plate. You are fine china. And so sin for us never makes sense, which is why repentance in the Bible is the most beautiful term. Some people, because you're tradition, you hear the word repent, you think, oh, that's where the, the preaching, crying, sweating guy on stage makes me feel bad and tells me to repent. Oh, shoot, I'm the screaming, preaching, crying guy. Uh, no, repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. And so to repent of sin is to say, that's like poop on fine china. It's not who I am. That's not who God created me to be. Holy Spirit of God, clean me and give me the power to resist letting that be put on this plate. And this is why 1 John is such a beautiful letter. 1 John 1 and 9. If anyone says they don't have sin, they're a liar. The truth's not in them. But those of us who will admit, I do sin, if we confess our sin to God, he is faithful, he already sanctified us. He is just, he already justified us. He made us as if we had no sin. He made us fine china. He will cleanse us from all wrongdoing that is true of you. So to confess, to repent, is the most beautiful thought for the believer in Jesus because he can clean me up again. So what makes sense in light of God's holiness is repentance. So this morning, we want to step in to, to, to repentance as a beautiful exercise of cleansing by God in your world. And if you came here with a load in your soul and a load on your mind and a load on your emotions and a load on, your, on just your whole person, you're like, I, don't, I can't shake it. Here's what God wants to do. He wants to set you free in your mind and help you to know you are actually forgiven by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So when fine china gets dirty, you don't throw it out. What do you do? You clean it. You sterilize it. And you, you put it on the table and say, wow. And then every time you eat off of it, it gets dirty again. What do you do? You clean it. And so Jesus, till he takes you home, is going to continue to clean you. And guess what? I lose patience fast. Maybe you lose patience a little slower than I do. He doesn't lose patience with us. That's how loving he is. And that's why the good news is good. So let's step into repentance. Well, what am I talking about? Unholy drunkenness. Unholy. You're a child of God, and you are getting drunk a lot. And you're not even thinking about it. What he wants you to do is to return to a right way of thinking. Have a clear and sober mind so that you will know who you are in Jesus. If you are continually boozing or drugging up, you are losing the ability to know who you are in Jesus. So this is not about you're a terrible person. It's about being set free to be sane and in your right mind so that you can follow the Holy Spirit and not the desires of your human nature, right? Unholy sexual content, we just need to stop watching. 
Well, I don't know if I should watch it or not. Then don't watch it. Like, well, it seems appropriate. No, it's not. Just stop watching it. And I say that of myself and I say that of you. Like, if I want to live like fine china, I can't expose my brain to everything that's unlike God. Gossip. Unholy gossip. We, we walk away from it because it's tearing us down and tearing other people down. Unholy ambition. What's that? You're just so driven. You're willing to do whatever it takes, forgetting and ignoring other people in need. And I'm so busy doing my, even my Jesus thing, that I don't see you. That could be unholy. Unholy apathy. Like, hey man, like, I just don't care. All of those things can become stumbling blocks for you to live in the freedom that God wants you to live in. And so here's what I'm here to say is, I don't know which one of those or others are, are the sin bent for you. Forget the names. Anything that's causing you to live under who you are, what we do is we turn to God with it. We confess it and say, this is true about my behavior, but this is not who I am, Jesus. So forgive me from the past and give me power to live in the new way. And by the way, that's next week. So it's not just about turning from, it's about turning to the power that's in God to break free from those what seem to be impossible things to let go of. It's actually possible through Jesus. And so what we want to do is first say, God, clean my house, and then, Lord, fill it. Fair enough? If you feel slightly convicted, join the club. I had to preach this to myself on Thursday, okay? So, so you're just getting it now. I get it twice a week. And so we want to hear it and now respond to it. So stand on your feet if you would, and let's respond by saying, Lord Jesus, save me. And, uh, and that's, our, that's our phrase. You said, well, I don't even know what to say to God. Lord Jesus, save me. Saving the Bible just isn't a one-time thing that gets you a ticket to heaven. In the Bible, the word save means heal. When someone was physically ill, Jesus saved them by healing them. Uh, when there were those possessed by evil or influenced by evil, he saved them by removing evil. And then, yeah, there is a moment we need to turn to Christ and be forgiven and be set free. But for the rest of your life, God's going to keep saving you, rescuing you, removing evil from you, healing you. All of those are the same concept. And so we're saying, Jesus, you know who I am. I'm not coming as a beggar. I'm coming as a son. I'm coming as a daughter. What I need is you again. You sanctified me. You made me holy. But now my life's not holy. Make me holy again. Clean me and fill me. And guess what? He's going to do that for you. He loves you that much. But will you respond by turning to him? Uh, Brandon's just going to play for a little bit, give you a couple of minutes to do that. What does that look like? It means talking to him. Uh, you can talk to him like this. You can talk to him like this. You can talk to him like this. You can get on your knees. It frankly doesn't make a difference to me. It makes all the difference to God. So whatever you think is fitting, just take a couple of minutes and come clean and receive the beautiful forgiveness of Jesus. Not just like, I'm dirty, I'm dirty, I'm dirty. Remind yourself, but Jesus, in you, I'm holy. I'm holy. I'm holy. And you're making me holy. And I thank you for doing it now. Lord, these are your kids, deeply loved. 
now. Show them your extravagant love by providing all they need and then some as each of your children.